Computers aren't always right. They make mistakes, encounter errors, and crash. Sometimes the errors can be frustrating, especially when the computer is at a big company and it makes a billing error that says you owe them $1,000. And when that corporation won't admit it's their mistake and insists you pay for the bill that you didn't create, this can be infuriating. But what can you do when you try to fight it but the corporation refuses to admit it's their problem? Well, some hackers know exactly what to do. These are true stories from the dark side of the internet. I'm Jack Resider. This is Darknet Diaries. Support for this show comes from Veronis. Guess how many files the average employee can access on their first day of work? 17 million and most of them they never use. Those files are what these ransomware gangs steal and hold hostage because companies will pay to get that back. That's why ransomware is such a threat. The blast radius is huge, 17 million files? There's so much valuable data that's easy to get and they can make money from. Do you wonder what your company's ransomware blast radius is? Veronis does a free cyber resilience assessment and tells you how many important files a compromised user could steal and whether anything would beep if they did, and a whole lot more. They actually do all the work, show you where the data is open to, if anyone is using it, and what you can do to lock it down before attackers get inside. They also can detect behavior that looks like ransomware and stop it automatically. You can even get a break on your cyber insurance. If you want to learn more, visit varonis.com dark. That's spelled V-A-R. O-N-I-S, veronis.com slash dark. Hey. Yo, what up? You want to tell us your name? Everybody calls me Mob Man. Hacking changed Mob Man's life. But to understand how it changed his life, we need to go back to when he was just a kid. All right, so I started off, you know, I'm, I'm a little kid. I'm like eight, nine years old. Got a Nintendo, right? You know, the old NES square box blowing a cartridge you know, push it in a few times. I was addicted to video games, like nonstop. So I'd sneak out in the middle of the night and go play it while, you know, my mom's asleep. His mom would catch him doing this and take his Nintendo away. The little mob man was addicted, so. I'll go find it and then, uh, you know, skip school just to play the video games. Very sneaky kid. So I was like the devil. And then uh, eventually she took a hammer <laughs> and smashed the shit out of the Nintendo. <laughs> so, you know, that was my first, you know, computer. So I, I, I got to see the insides, look at it, take it all apart, try to figure out how to get it to back to working and stuff. Um, that did not happen. <laughs> it did not get fixed. But I learned a little bit about it. So um, then the next thing was, you know, I got a computer. Um, then I started playing a game called Ultima Online. Uh, it's a massive multiplayer role-playing game. A lot of people now, they would be able to relate to it as like World of Warcraft, except in Ultima Online, if you die, they could take all your stuff and pretty much leave you naked and bare. As you might have guessed, Mobman became addicted to Ultima Online. As a teenager, he found himself playing it every chance he could. The computer breaks and the mom's like, 
I ain't paying somebody to fix it because you broke it like three or four other times. I had to learn how to fix all that stuff and like how the actual operating system works. He gets it working again and starts taking an interest in computers. He learned how to do a little programming and troubleshoot problems on the computer. But still, he finds himself playing Ultima Online all the time. Now back then, to be online, you need a phone and a modem to connect to the internet. So he'd often hear his mom shouting, Phone's busy. I know you're on that damn game. Follow, you know, so she'll go and disconnect the phone. So I'll go outside and I found the little phone box thing and I'll splice the cables of the neighbors and run them into ours so then I could use their telephone. After years of playing Ultima Online and using his computer every day for hours a day, he started to become pretty good at computers. And he started visiting some of the more popular online bulletin boards and chat rooms and learning how to do different hacks, like making free phone calls and stuff. And he started learning that software has exploits. So what does he do? So in Ultima Online, so me and my buddies, we'll sit out there and we'll figure out ways to exploit the game. We'll hide out in front of people's houses, stealth our way, which, which you basically turn invisible and we'll wait out in, outside somebody's house, their door, when they opened it. And then we'll just walk inside their door, invisible, and then wait for them to leave and then steal all their shit. We built our own scams. Like we'll pull up like the trading window to trade somebody for stuff and then like we'll close it. And then like their stuff will be too heavy and it'll fall and drop on the ground or they can't move and we'll just kill them and then take it. So eventually we, we you know, we bought a boat in the game. You could have a boat, you could like sail around and do shit. And there's a little like a cargo bay like in front of the boat and you can store your shit in it. And it works like a house. Like you have to have a key or whatever and you can open, close the, you know, lock it, whatever. So you can't get in. But we learned if you park a boat, uh, the bow in front of another bow of another boat and you're staying on your boat, apparently your privileges of your boat links over to their boat and you could like open their cargo hold and take all their shit. So we spent like a couple weeks just going and hitting every boat on the whole damn server and stealing everybody's stuff. Players could open tickets and complain on the forums, but Mob Man and his pirating friends never got caught doing this. He made a lot of in-game money stealing from all these players, and he wanted to show off his epic loot. So he made a website showcasing what he had. So we take snippets of the game and, and that's how I started learning action script and flash and put some music behind it and release them all up on online on our GeoCities websites. Then we used to hack each other's websites and take them down and stuff. <laughs> in the 90s, when you play Ultima Online, it asks if you want to save your login so you don't have to type it in next time. And if you do this, it actually saves your username and password in a clear text file called uo.cfg. So we figured that out and we're like, oh cool. So if we get other people's uo.config file, because there's some idiots at school that play it, we could log in as them. Now we have all the ingredients for a fresh baked hack. Mob Man is now one part computer tech, two parts griefer, one part programmer, and a dash of greediness. His mission is to somehow take that uo.cfg file from other players online. So he mixed all this together and created a pretty clever program. It's a remote access tool, and it was a Trojan horse virus. He built a program that would allow him to take control of another computer. You could open and close the CD-ROM. You could flip the screen. You could hide the start button. You could move the mouse on their screen and you know click around. You could open up their C drive, um, change their wallpaper. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff 
He also connected it to ICQ, a common messaging app back then. And when they get infected with it, it'll send you an ICQ uh, message and it'll tell you their IP address and that they're online. Mobman called his virus Sub7. Now that he spent some time creating it, it was time to put it to work. So in Ultima Live, we'll stand by bank. So we'll go by there like, oh man, we got, because we were rich in the game. Like we had castles and millions of gold and all of our characters were like badass because of our thievery and, and stealing everybody's stuff from like the boats and the, the other things and killing everybody and stuff. So people are like, how do you get all that stuff? You know, like, oh no, we got, we made this little program and it gives you unlimited gold. We're like, hey, do you want it? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, cool, what's your ICQ? You know, we'll send it over to you. So, you know, we'll message them and then we'll send them the EXE and then we'll put up like an error code, file not found, error, you know, okay, cancel or whatever. And then we'll send them the thing. So they'll run it and they'll be like, oh, it didn't work. Like it gave me some error. And then they'll run it again, infecting themselves again and then run it again. And then they infected themselves like three or four, like, People infect themselves like 10 times before they figure out like, oh, I guess it just doesn't work. I'm like, oh, man, I, I must have I'm missing a file. I forgot to send it to you. Then like you give up or whatever. Then they go off on their own merry, merry way, you know, and then you remove them off of ICQ and be like, oh, sorry, I guess the hack didn't work. Once that player is infected, Mobman would swoop in and grab the uo.cfg file, which contained the username and password of that player. You're looking for other cheater people that want to cheat in the game. And you tell them that you have the cheat for them. And I think that still goes on to this day. Like, I mean, you see like Minecraft and all those other stupid things, like YouTube videos out there. And they're like, oh, we got this hack, get free gold or sort of wall hacks and shit. And then all those are infected with some type of malware or whatnot. You know, you can scan them. Um, so, I mean, it, it's the same typical thing. But I mean, that's just how we came up with you know, doing this stuff back then. Now, nobody else was doing that. Keep in mind, like we came up with that method <laughs> to like, to like say, Hey, are you going to get cheats? Here's you go. Here's the file, run it. And then they'll log in. And then, you know, I mean, there's some stories, you know, I'll log into people. We'll, we'll log in real quick, take all their stuff. I'll have a couple guys standing by the bank. We'll just steal all their things, you know, go to their house. And then I'll go and like delete their characters. Like they, these people spend like years, like leveling up their dudes and stuff. And I just like, delete confirm yes or no yes gone there's no recovery you like you're it's over like i would i would probably commit suicide if that happened to my account oh you're so cold man dude i, I look back and like it's like oh my god those poor little kids <laughs> you know <laughs> it's it's so bad so i'll delete all their shit and then we'll like we'll make a new character and like you know dress it up like with a skirt or something or whatever you know just fuck with them and, and then they eventually figure it out what they figured out is that they've been hacked and that somebody logged into their account stole all their items and deleted their character this would be a character that they had worked on for years and it's all of a sudden gone high level players that were wiped out by mob man and hit with this sub 7 virus must have felt a level of rage like no other but they, they can't prove or know anything. And then I can't even keep up. I get so many people. I had so many people that I had coming back to me where I could go and log in in their accounts. Not just their accounts in UO, but I could log in in their computers. 
Now, I don't really log into computers, but there were a couple times where like they, some of them have webcams and I'll turn on their webcam because that was another option. You could like turn on the webcam and watch them. <laughs> so, you know, I, I see like their bobs be up on their computer, you know, watching some uh, sexual stuff. <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> well, I can tell you some stories on that, you know. This sub-7 virus was working really well for Mopman. He was able to social engineer dozens of players to install the virus. And he was able to take tons of in-game items and gold from them. Right. So I started getting overwhelmed in the UL. I started making so much bank. You know, so much money and being like awesome and getting all these people and stuff like that. You know, I wanted to share it with my other buddies, you know, the, my friends that were in my clan or a guild uh, that that we we had. So I, I sent it to those those ding dongs on ICQ. I'm like, here, here's the you know, here's the client. Here's how you use it. You know, go start sending it to people. Uh, you know, do what I do. You all been hanging out. You all see how it works and stuff because we're all on ICQ. So. Um, so they started using it and then sending it to people. And then apparently they sent it to their friends and their friends sent it to their friends. And then they built the fucking website <laughs> and started giving it away to everybody <laughs> and stuff like that. And the next thing I know, everybody knows about sub seven. Like I, I see other idiots in UO like, Oh, Hey, you want to get a cheat? And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, huh? sure yeah what's your icu number and like you know they'll they'll try to send it to me and infect me with it and i'm like that's fucking pretty awesome those i don't have to talk with my friends because i told them not to give it out <laughs> but they did so they gave it out it spread i'm not the one that like kind of like gave it away to everybody if you will or made the website or anything that was my ding dong juvenile delinquent friends even though sub seven was created to steal ultimate online logins mob man had built a lot of features into it like the ability to grab any file change files upload files and turn the webcam on so sub seven started to spread and was used by all kinds of different people for all kinds of different reasons some students would infect their teachers with it and change their grades they sent it to their friend and they're playing the cup holder game <laughs> with the opening closing the CD-ROM. They got them inspired and interested in computers, you know, because they have to learn social engineering. You have to convince somebody to open the file and run it. And it, it got people learning about the operating systems. But some people already knew how computers worked and took this to the next level, infecting dozens and hundreds of people at a time. You can attach it to anything, though. First, there's a button like browse, and then you pick like an executable, like calculator, and then you click meld, and it'll meld the, the malware with the executable, and the executable will still run and act normal, except it has sub seven, infects you when you run it. You know, you know, I start thinking about some of the stuff I downloaded back in the where's days. I'm pretty sure I probably downloaded this and- Oh yeah, you got infected. Well, yeah. <laughs> As a kid, I did download a lot of shady things and ran them. And as I think back, I do remember getting my grandma's computer infected with the sub-7 virus and having to learn how to wipe it off. I never thought I'd ever meet the maker of that virus that hit me in 2002. This is why, even today, you should never run a program that you don't trust, because it could infect you with sub-7 or another Trojan. This malware that Mobman made was spreading all over the internet like an unchecked disease. My man only used Sub7 to steal Ultima Online logins for himself. 
He never used it to steal anyone's credit cards, bank statements, or anything like that. It's like, I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't like stealing credit, like, you know, money or, or things from them. Because all, like, all through my mind, I didn't think of it like that because it was like virtual, right? Because it was like on the internet. I don't know. I think of like my grandma. I always get the image of like my little old lady grandma. And like if somebody would rob her, I would kill that person. You know what I mean? Mob Man finished high school with good grades, but his obsession with video games grew stronger. Because he was tapping into his neighbor's phone lines and spending all night on the computer, his relationship with his parents evaporated. Oh, yeah, they don't ever talk to me during all that whole time. Like, they, I, was, I was disowned as a child. <laughs> because of this, he hardly ever went home. No, I wasn't. I mean, most of the time I was staying over at my girlfriend's, you know, apartment or whatever. Or out over at friends' houses, couch surfing, trying to get on that internet. He was drawn like a moth to a flame. He would go wherever he could find free internet access. Video games ruined my, Ultima Line ruined my life. <laughs> or my early livelihood. <laughs> I'm like 18 at this, or I was about to turn 18. And I got a cell phone. I was 17. They let me sign the contract because they're idiots. I thought you had to be 18 to sign a legal binding contract. I got a phone bill. It was like 900 bucks. And that's a lot of money. He looks at the bill and it says he called Kansas and some other states for an ungodly amount of time. I never, I don't know anybody in Kansas or Arkansas or wherever the hell. Like, I didn't make these calls. So he decides to refute the bill with AT&T. Let me call them up and see what the hell this $900 charge is or whatever. And they said I called somebody in like Kansas or Wisconsin or... It's like, I don't even know anybody up in that state. I did not call somebody up there for 20 hours. So you need to remove this $900 bill charge on my phone. They're like, no, sir, we're not going to do that. You made that call and you're going to have to pay it or you're, we're not going to give you service. And I'm like, well, I'm not even 18. And you signed this contract, so I don't have to pay it anyway. And they're like, well, then we're going to disconnect you altogether. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to log in and change it myself. And they're like, we're, we got smarter people working here than you. You're not even, you know, you're a young punk kid and stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I hang up. By this point, Mob Man has developed a complex because of his previous online exploits. He was thinking to himself, I made this sub seven. I fucking own everything in Ultima Online, like the greatest game ever. And after he hangs up with AT&T, he feels powerless against this large corporation. He honestly didn't make the calls they claim he did, and there's nothing he can do about it except pay it. So rage brews inside him. And he just heard AT&T tell him that their systems are too secure for him to hack into. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> they think they're smarter and better than me and they can push me around. I didn't make these calls, you know, and, and whatever. So I get on my vengeful, you know, upset. I see red. Mob man got a list of AT&T phone numbers that had modems on them. So he would use his computer to dial the number and see if it connected. This is called war dialing. He would go down the list, dialing number after number to see if it connected to any computer in the AT&T network. So I sat all night logging into different PBXs, calling up all kinds of weird exchanges. And I get into a couple of them. And every once in a while, he would connect to an AT&T system. And amazingly enough, the systems he accessed did not have a username or password. 
So when you dialed into it, it would immediately give you a command prompt. Yeah, it just throws you in. Dude, there's no fucking security back then, man. There's no nothing ever. This was an operating system Mobman had never seen before. Some weird AT&T terminal or something. So he didn't know any commands. Yeah, I'm typing like question mark and help and stuff. And then like it gives you a little list of commands. And then you like you type in that command and type help. You know, and you keep getting lists of different stuff. And try to figure out what everything freaking does. He keeps getting access to one system after another. And he's exploring and learning the AT&T network, studying it, mapping it, and he keeps going deeper. Man, if they had Red Bulls back then, I mean, I'd be just thought more Red Bulls. It's just a natural high. It's just like, I don't know, you're just, you're just doing it. You know, it's just like the whole world closed off. I get enveloped and closed into that. Like, I don't, it's, it's me, the computer, that's it. Like you could be, the house is on fire and I wouldn't even know. Mobman spends eight hours gaining access into AT&T's network, slowly making progress, but still nothing significant yet. Eventually, I typed in the wrong command. <laughs> and at that same moment, the computer he dialed into went offline. And nothing worked. And then I tried dialing some of the other numbers that I was able to connect to prior to some of the other machines, and they were all off too. So then I thought it was me. So I tried calling in from a different address and then that didn't work. Um, then I decided to give him a call, call AT&T, customer support again. <laughs> See if they can fix my phone bill. <laughs> so I got them on the line. And again, we're not fixing your bill, blah, 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 blah. You made these calls. I'm like, I did not, blah, blah, blah. but Hey, how's your all's network over there in California and and Nevada and stuff? And they're like, well, we just have a big network outage over there. It's been out for a couple hours. He realized the commands he typed on that computer had caused a major outage at AT&T. And apparently it rewrote the firmware on it and bricked like a, one of these central switching PBXs, which happened to run like the whole like West Coast uh, telephone systems or something. I'm like, oh, really? Well, if you want to know why, I'll tell you if you fix my phone bill. <laughs> so, you know, and, um, you know, so I get in there and I start bragging. I brag to them. You know, I, I, I sit there and I tell them what I did and all stuff. And obviously I gave him my name, my phone number, and all, you know. <laughs> so, obviously that's one of the situations you probably reflected back on a lot. What do you, what do you think about that now? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, don't be an idiot. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> nowadays obviously you got VPNs and all that shit. You know, if you want to do something illegal. I mean, I could, I could definitely get away with stuff if I want to now, but um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't do anything illegal. Support for this episode comes from Oracle for Startups. I think I have to buy a new phone this week. This one I have is running out of space, and it's just too slow for my modern usage. But I wonder if startup companies have this same problem, where they start out with some cool new technology to run their business, but over time it starts to slow down, and their underlying architecture just can't handle big customers, large spikes, 
or the growth that they hope to have. How does a startup find technology that can grow with them? Well, Oracle has this startup partnership. It's cleverly called Oracle for Startups. The idea is even though you're a startup, you can tap into the cloud computing power, expertise, and connections of a big dog like Oracle. You get free cloud credits and 70% off their cloud services. Plus, with multi-cloud support and no vendor lock-in, you build this any way you want. Now you aren't frustrated and you've got the power to scale and you're free to go after your dream customers. Don't stay stuck. Go check out oracle.com slash go to slash darknet. My man told AT&T how he hacked into their systems, gave his name and phone number, and waited for them to call him back so that they could remove the charges from his phone bill. He sat there after hanging up. No, I, I mean, I'm still upset. Like, they didn't fix my shit. You know, I hacked all their stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for them to call me back. So I just get back on and, like, keep trying to do other shit, you know, hack and do stuff. And then I think I went and played some Ultima Online afterwards. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. A few days go by. Still no callback from AT&T. Yeah, my, my friends, my girlfriend and my mom got a visit from like a detective or an FBI guy or something and left them their business cards. Uh, I was like, I was like, oh shit, oh shit. What am I going to do? So I had a job. I forgot what I was doing. I was like working at Taco Bell or some shit. And, you know, these, these, these detective people were looking for me. And I was worried that I'm going to get picked up. I'm going to get arrested. I don't know what, what's happening. So I said, all right, well, let me face, you know, let me confront it, you know. So I had lots of friends, um, computer friends. One of them lived in Washington, and there was a library in Washington. And apparently that library had a database, that you, a little computer, that was like the white pages. And you could type, put in anybody's name or phone number, reverse lookup, front lookup, whatever, sideways, whatever you want to do. You know, it's like it has everybody's information. Mobman uses this computer to look up the information on the detective that's looking for him. And I get his house phone number and his address and stuff. And I call him at his house at like three o'clock in the morning. And he's asleep. But he answers the phone. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And I heard you're looking for me. And he's like, yeah, we're, uh, we, I just want to talk to you about AT&T. Like they said that you were having some issues with them. And, and I think, why don't you meet me up with, uh, get a cup of coffee and we could go over, you know, this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I'm not stupid. Like you've been looking for me for like a month and knocking on all my friends' doors and shit. And I think you're going to arrest me. So I'm not going to meet up with you with some coffee. Like, I'm not stupid. And he's like, all right, yeah. I mean, I get it. We, you are wanted. And I'm going to have to, you know, take you in and stuff. Uh, where are you? I'll come and get you. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you where I am. I'm not stupid. Again, I'm going to alliterate that. <laughs> but, however, I get my paycheck Friday. And I'll meet you at my girlfriend's apartment complex on Saturday at the pool and I'll turn myself in and he's like okay well where do you work like you know and I'm like dude really like and I hang up he wanted to do the right thing 
He didn't want to be a criminal or a fugitive. He just wanted to face this problem. He thought he might go to jail. So he spent the next few days stashing all his computer files and safe spots all around the internet and sorting out any loose ends. I was just like, all right, well, I went and got my paycheck and I went in that Saturday and went to the, the pool and like I went and walked in there. And they came like they had like SWAT team there, like a bunch of dudes with machine guns and surrounded me basically. And put me in the back. What what did you what did you think as soon as you saw like a SWAT team? No, no, I was just like I'm frozen. I'm just like whatever. I'm just standing there. What am I gonna do? <laughs> Pull out my nine and start shooting at him? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I just. just like... <laughs> <laughs> I would just be so scared. Like, why are there people pointing guns at me? I don't know. I don't care. I mean, it's cool. My girlfriend, she's there, you know, walking up. They let me, you know, kiss and hug my girlfriend goodbye. And they give me my cell phone. Like, they're letting me make calls in the back of the cop car. I'm calling up, like, my buddies. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to jail, you know. Send me, write me a letter or something. Then they took me to jail. His girlfriend was not happy to see him arrested at her pool. Yeah, she was sad. And she was good. Like she kept, she came to the jail and visited me a lot and all that stuff. So, so my man was questioned and taken to jail. It sunk in like the first, like, you know, couple days, like two or three days. It's like, man, I'm missing people and blah, blah, blah. blah. But then it becomes like a whole different world inside of jail. It has its own ecosystem, if you will. You know, so you start learning all the stuff in there and, and, and whatnot. And I was, I was like the pretty cool guy in jail. I mean, I'm a, I'm a young, skinny, nerdy fucking dude, but nobody fucked with me at all because I was like the cool hacker guy that could like, when they get out, we could all hook up and like make lots of money and do shit. So everybody wanted to be like my friend. Um, so, I mean, I had it made. I, I mean, I was good in chess. I learned pinochle, uh, played dominoes. I got sent to lockdown a few times. Uh, that was fun. Got to hang out with all the murderer people. Um, you know, so it's, it, it, it was an experience. So it opens your eyes. You learn, I learned how to become humble and very respectful in there. Strangely enough, he was still able to get on a computer while in jail. Some of the guards there, the officers, they were going to school for computers or they had a computer there and they want to learn stuff. And who's the guy they come and talk to about learning things? This guy. Which was a lot of fun for Mob Man. Hell yeah! They let me go hang out, play on the computer, show them things, you know? And then there's the Law Library. Law Library was amazing. Um, and that had the internet, but you couldn't get on the internet. So I had to hack the computer locally. I remember how I did that was... Um, magnifying glass yeah magnify.exe i deleted magnify and renamed cmd.exe to magnify and then i went back to the login screen and then you hit like windows h and it brings up the accessibility magnify which was actually command prompt and system launched it for me so now i have like admin of their little law library computer then i got everybody's name address all the i mean we're not everybody but like all the correctional officers like got in their hr department and got all their information printed that out 
um, signed up for like pretty much every magazine on the planet. Like the mail that I got every day was like bags, like those big garbage bags full of mail. How would you pay for that? <laughs> but cash on delivery, bro. Back then, you sign up, you know, sample subscription, whatever. Done. Every magazine. Back then, you know, magazines were a thing. Uh, so, yeah. So there was like, I don't know, thousands a day. So, like, the jail people got upset and came to my cell and had a talking with me and wanted to know how I did it all or they were going to charge me with more crimes. So I sat down with their IT guy, some old dude, and showed him that his computer skills were lacking <laughs> stuff and how I did all that, which was fine. So, I mean, I got to be on a computer, you know, and do things um, here and there. He spent five months in jail and it was time for his trial. I get a public defender. Pretender is what we call them. Public pretenders. They're scaring me. They're like, dude, you're going to prison for 15 years. We got all the evidence that we need. We got you. We got AT&T saying that you called them, saying that you called them and told them that you did this. So I was scared though. And I wanted to get out of jail, right? And they're like, hey, if you sign here, you could get out tonight. We'll put you on probation, done. Or we go to trial and you'll lose. I mean, the public defender's like, you'll lose. And you'll go to prison for 15 years. But if you plea out the here, we'll lower your charge down to a third degree felony instead of a second degree felony. And we'll let you out tonight. And you can go home. And I'm like, all right. So I signed and pled out. But then I didn't get to go home that night. Because the judge wanted to have a whole other hearing for restitution. And I'm like, what's that word? <laughs> what's restitution mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's the money you got to pay back <laughs> for the damages you caused. <laughs> and it's a lot of money. <laughs> so we're going to have a whole hearing on that. When's a good time there, court reporter person? Oh, next month we got an opening. Oh, cool. All right, well, send them back to jail and we'll see them next month. So I sit in jail, wait a month, come back, restitution hearing. Yay, I get out today. Whatever the fuck y'all want to say, I want to pay. I don't care. But their lawyers didn't show up, the AT&T ding-dongs. And um, they're like, oh, well, can we get a continuance? Uh, lawyers couldn't make it today. You know, um, I stand up. I'm like, fuck no. I planned out a month ago. I should have been out a month ago. I'm not going back into jail. Because these guys can't be respectful enough to the court to show up when you told them to be here. And then the judge is like, you know what? You're right. If they want any money from you, they're going to have to sue you. Click. No restitution. And then I, I, I did like the little deuces sign. Deuces. And then I got to go down. I, I got out and left. <laughs> I, I went to find the nearest ashtray to find a cigarette butt to smoke and then I went to like McDonald's and got a cheeseburger for free because I told them that I ordered something the other day and it was because I just got out of jail I didn't have no money 
I, I ordered something the other day and they forgot to give me a cheeseburger in the bag and they're like, all right, well, here you go. And I'm like, sweet cheeseburger. Social engineering. <laughs> and then I went to go live at the Salvation Army. My man had nowhere to go after getting out of jail. So he was homeless for a while with no money and had to start from scratch. His friends were all gone and his mom wanted nothing to do with him. Well, because she was a police officer or whatever, and I was a convicted felon <laughs> at that time. I don't know. She just, just, you know, kind of disowned me. So, yeah, I lived on my own, did day labor, digging ditches. Uh, you know, it was cool. I went out on one. They had a submarine once at parked at the thing and it was in for cleaning it was like some old russian sub or something and we had to like shoot off the barnacles it was pretty fun yeah laying sod doing whatever eventually saved some money got a little apartment got another job he was starting to pick his life back up and be productive again but then something happened so um i seen i seen a crime happening one day while i was walking down the street but it was pretty bad it was like somebody was getting their ass whooped in and there's like a knife and, and you know, all kinds of other stuff. Right. So I like, I'm like, Oh, here's a payphone. Let me call 911. Let me be a good citizen to save this person's life. And, um, I do that. Cops come and they want to come over and talk to me and they ask for my ID and stuff. And lo and behold, I had a warrant out for my arrest. <laughs> Apparently I violated probation because I was on probation and I never had a probation officer or checked in or did anything <laughs> that I was supposed to do. So I got arrested. They took me to jail. They didn't take the other dude to jail, by the way. They let him off. They just gave him a court date. The guy that was like killing somebody. So, but I get to go to jail because, you know, I violated my probation, which is fine. It's the law. So I went to jail, um, sat in jail, had to wait, go to court. And then I'm like, I don't want to get put on probation again. And apparently I can't do it. I'm like, well, we're going to put you on it again. All right, cool. So I get put on probation again. This time I actually did check in, meet with the dude and everything's like, well, you got to get a job. You got to do this, you got to do that. I'm like, fuck that. Put me back in jail. So I went back to jail and then I tell the judge, like, I told you I didn't want to get put on probation. Just tell me how much time I got to do, and I'll do it, and don't put me on probation. He's like, all right, well, you got to do a year. I'm like, all right, cool. I've already been sitting in here for six months, so. All right, a couple more months to go, done. Because you get, like, extra bonus days because I was, like, a trustee, and I, I did good stuff, and you get, like, good behavior. and So you only do, like, eight months out of the 12 months for a year. So I did my year, got out. Free and clean. Done. He gets back out, starts over from scratch again, doing day labor, earning a little bit at a time, and saving up for an apartment. I eventually met a chick, um, moved down to Fort Lauderdale with her. She she had some money, so like I lived with her. I didn't really have to buy or pay anything or whatever. And then I got a job um, running Cat5 Cable or whatever. And then they were working on poker software, and like their programmers were like idiots. It's like, I'll, I'll look over their shoulder and see what they're doing because I'm running the, all the cables. And I'd go and help them, like, fix their little problem they're having with whatever of that day. And eventually, you know, the boss, he seen me doing that. He's like, hey, you want to just work here? And I'm like, cool, yeah, you know. So I started, I was like the assistant IT guy. 
eventually I stayed with the company and everything. I, I just became like one of the head dudes, um, you know, there. And my knowledge just like skyrocketed from from working there. Um, and then I started I went back to college. I, I, I started going to school. So I put myself through college to get a degree, which is pretty much worthless. Didn't learn a lot while I was working there. And I was getting certifications. So like 200 different Microsoft certs later, um, <laughs> after I took one like like I took one like every other day <laughs> just for kicks and giggles because they're like free. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to take all these certs. So I was taking certs like every day. It was fun. The place he was working at was an online casino. But it was at this time that some harsh online gambling regulations went into effect in the U.S. So the business started to wobble and he knew he needed to move on to something new. I eventually got in an argument and left that company and went and started my own. And, and you know, I, I made a cybersecurity company and then I sold that company to McAfee. That's John McAfee, who started the McAfee antivirus software. But John is no longer part of McAfee and is doing his own ventures. But still, Mobman made some pretty good money selling his company to John. Yeah, I bought a house and car and paid off all my debts, student loans. I moved to Alabama. My man has just been living a nice, relaxing life for the last few years, which brings us up to now. Now, um, just hanging out, looking for a job. A lot of the now I'm in I'm in Huntsville, Alabama, and the scenery here is all DOD. The everybody has clearance, secret clearance, and all that. Obviously, me with my criminal past, I don't have the clearances, so a lot of people won't touch me or hire me. So I just, I do um, contract work and I'm actually looking into maybe even starting a, like a recruitment company because I know so many people and I like to help and I'm really good at, you know, making resumes and getting place and knowing if somebody's full of shit or not. But I think I'm probably going to be one of them people where I just have to keep doing my own companies and my own thing uh, unless somebody gives me a chance to, you know, show them. Now, I'm not a criminal <laughs> or whatever, you know. Like a lot of companies are scared of me. Oh, and remember Sub 7? Apparently while he was in jail and homeless and struggling, that malware became really popular. Thousands of people started becoming familiar with it. Oh, this was more than thousands. <laughs> I know nowadays, you know, millions of people know about Sub 7. Because I know it's still being used in China and, and India and, and a few other places. Um, it's a... It's very, very weird to see that it's still out there in, in the wild um, and working to this day. After a while, Mobman would go and attend security and hacker conferences. Then I started seeing like the impact that it had on the industry and changing a lot of the people. And like, you know, I'll go to DEF CON or whatnot, and like people come up to me and they're like, oh man, we, we use Sub 7. And everybody tells me a story about their use of Sub 7. Some people that, you know, run these billion dollar cybersecurity companies, they come up to me and they're billionaires and they're like, dude, man, you got me the one that got me into computers. Like I wouldn't be where I was today without subset. I'm like, you owe me a beer. They're like, whatever you want, man. Well, let's go to the bar. You buy everything's on me. You know, so it's like, cool. Cause I'm, you know, poor. So, <laughs> so <laughs> or I was. It's hard to tell, but some people claim that Sub7 was the first remote access tool that became popular with hackers. A few other Trojans came out around the same time. And so with that, you know, it's history, kind of historical 
software. A few years back, Mobman saw an article online, and it said that AT&T found an error in their billing system, which ended up in a class action lawsuit. And it said the errors in their billing system dated all the way back to when Mobman was erroneously hit with that $900 phone bill. I'm like, yep, I've been saying that for years. I've been telling them their shit was broken for years. So yeah, AT&T burning hell. So, like when they come on my lawn and they ask me if I want to get AT&T internet, it's like, oh, I feel bad for that sales guy. Yeah. <laughs> so trolled him. <laughs> what did you say to him? Dude, I go, I go down and file restraining orders <laughs> at the courthouse against them. If they send me one letter in the mail, I go down and file something at the courthouse. Like, I get, I'm livid against that company. I just don't like, see, the only thing I learned, like, I, I don't have no anger issues or anything. The only thing that ever upsets me in life, you can do whatever you want to me. You accuse me of something I did not do, I get upset. But I've learned to control it. I'm not going to go and hack you or, <laughs> or do something, you know, but that's the only thing that really pisses me off in life is like being accused of something I didn't do. So, and, it, and, you know, and it upsets me when I go to a lot of companies and they think that I'm going to do this and this and that or whatever, like if they upset me, you know, I'm going to fuck all their shit up or something, you know, that's, that's, you know, it's, that's ridiculous, but whatever it is what it is. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. One more thing. Uh, I have an addendum to the story. After I published this episode, an article was written about this episode basically calling the whole thing made up. It says this guy who says he's Mobman is not the guy who created Sub-7. Another guy did it. But we don't know who. I struggled with this for a year, trying to figure out exactly what the truth was. Was the article telling the truth or Mobman? Now, to fact check this story, I contacted some people that know Mobman personally. They said, yes, he did create Sub-7. And I talked to a few people, not just one. Mobman was also featured in Rolling Stone magazine, which says he did create it. But that's about all the fact-checking I did. But this article is saying otherwise. The article is written by a guy named Ill Will. And Ill Will goes on to say that he was there in the scene when Sub-7 was hitting the streets. Ill Will remembers when it came out, and the guy claiming to have made it 20 years ago was Romanian. He had a Greek background, and even put Romanian in the code. My man isn't Romanian and can't explain why Romanian is in the code or if it is at all. Ill Will can't track down the real maker of Sub-7, and how could you? It was 20 years ago. Neither can I. My man stands firm on his claim that he wrote Sub-7, but Ill Will says it wasn't him. Now, last month I went to DEF CON. While I was there, I met Mobman in person for the first time, and we hung out. He's totally crazy and constantly joking around. But I kind of learned why they call him Mobman. Everyone knows him. As we walked the halls, people everywhere were stopping and saying hi. And I'd ask how they know him, and some from way back, and some from when he lived in Florida. And wherever he would hang out, Mobman attracted a mob around him, hence Mobman. The fact that so many people vouched for him being the creator of Sub-7 really had me convinced. But then, while also at DEF CON on a totally different night... I ran into Ill Will, and I spoke with him in length about this subject. Ill Will is a fan of the show, and he finds the episodes accurate and entertaining. The only episode he has a beef with is this one, the Mobman one. We talked and talked. 
Illwill swears that this isn't the guy who wrote it, and has some things to sort of prove it. I spoke with Illwill's friends, too. They were also in the scene at the time, and they also claim it wasn't him. At least half a dozen people give me stories as evidence as to why. So, hmm, I, I just don't know. Bob Man says Ill Will is lying. Ill Will says Bob Man is lying. And there's some proof from both sides. But at this point, I don't know for sure. So I just wanted to add this in the end here as part of kind of a full disclosure that this case is sort of still open. You've been listening to Darknet Diaries. If you want to help support this show, head on over to darknetdiaries.com love. There you'll find the best ways to support this show, including a link to the Patreon page and a shop where you can buy t-shirts and stickers. This show is made entirely by me, Jack Reese Sider, and the theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Cylinder.